Hello, everybody, and welcome back to 49ers 24-7 and the newly named Run and Hit podcast. I'm Annie Corey from 49ers 24-7. So excited to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And guys, we got quite the show on Monday night. And man, it just feels so good to celebrate a 49ers victory. Five consecutive wins over the Rams. I couldn't think of a better way to spend my Monday night than to watch the Niners just beat down on Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and really just shocking the NFL on primetime. And hey, just like that, the tides have turned for this team. The 49ers are back in the hunt for that wildcard spot right in the thick of it. But you've got a lot of work to do before then, a lot of wins to pull off, and it all starts Sunday at Jacksonville. But let's not jump into that too quickly. Let's relish in that Monday night football glory just just a little bit longer. I mean, gosh, can we talk about that offense? And the best place to start is with the 11-minute, three-second drive, the longest by any NFL team since 2002. Guys, that's the year I was born. And if I were to tell you, let's flash back to a week ago. If I were to tell you a week ago that one NFL team that weekend would put together the longest drive in the NFL since 2002, no part of you, I can guarantee, would say the 49ers. Not at all. But it happened. And, you know, just like Jimmy said, that first drive took the soul from the Rams. And that's what we've been missing from this team, that run game that can take the soul from the other team. And getting it done on the first drive, I mean, Jimmy felt that. And that's just, a, it doesn't get much better than that for, for this team. Um, winning the turnover battle, the time of possession battle. I mean, we had the ball for 39 minutes on offense. And really that all stemmed from everyone blocking and contributing in that rushing attack. One guy who I think doesn't get enough credit. I mean, he gets a lot of hype because he is the best left tackle in the NFL. But on this team, I just think Trent Williams doesn't get enough credit. You know, zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries allowed. 93.7 PFF offensive grade. And he had the best game of the season for him so far. This offensive line has had such a tough couple of weeks. You lose Mike McGlinchey to a to a quad tear for the entire season. You know, Jalen Moore goes in there at right tackle. He has a knee issue. You had Tom Compton in there at right tackle, and that's probably a worst-case scenario uh, for, for that whole offensive line situation. But they didn't waver. They played excellent, sound football, and, you know, Trent Williams— he just glues together that whole offensive line, sets a tone for the rest of them, and is, is a leader. So there's not much more you can ask of him. And he, he's earning that, that paycheck, that huge contract that he, that he got granted. He's earning every bit of that. But hey, Trent Williams aside, wasn't it just so much fun to see George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk out there throwing pancakes again? And, you know, Every player on that team was contributing in the run game. I mean, you even saw Juwan Jennings out there throwing blocks, and everyone was getting their hands dirty, getting involved, and really that allowed the 49ers to capitalize on early downs. I mean, you think of games where the 49ers have lost, um, just ugly games like the Colts and the Packers and the Cardinals. 
those are the games where they've been stuck in third and longs, third and seven, third and eight. And it's just been so tough to convert on third down because you're not getting in those early down short yardage situations. But the games where they've won, they've been successful, the Bears and um, this past week, they've been able to get capitalize on that first and second down and get in third and manageable, third and short situations where, you know, you're able to keep that run game as an option, you know, make, forcing the defense to constantly respect that run on every down. And that's been so crucial for this team if you want to have a successful game. You know, the run game was methodical. It wasn't a bunch of huge explosive plays, but it was small and consistent runs that wore down on the defense of the Rams. And the guy behind it all, I mean, the majority of it was Elijah Mitchell. He rushed a career-high 27 times for 91 yards and allowed the 49ers to dominate time of possession throughout all four quarters. And now on the season, he's got 560 rushing yards, 10th in the NFL. He's up there with all these big names, and it's just so cool to see a low-round pick like Elijah Mitchell just create really just an incredible story for himself this season. And another guy that made his return, we all got to see Jeff Wilson back in action since his torn meniscus over the the offseason. He made his return, and he he wasn't a heavy contributor, but 10 rushing attempts for 28 yards. It was just nice to have that other factor in there, that different type of back. And I think uh, the most exciting element of the run game, without a doubt, was Debo. Debo, five runs for 36 yards. I mean, the crazy thing um, that Dante Whitner mentioned the other day was that Debo was making the right reads as a running back. You know, he was seeing the holes, uh, making the cuts, and he was making the the right moves as a running back, and he had great vision. It was just so, um, just so fun to see Debo in the backfield. And, you know, if you're uh, the defense of the Rams, and you see Debo coming out of that backfield, you don't want to make that tackle. I mean, you, you don't want to be the guy to have to take him down because it's so hard. I mean, even in the passing game, you know, you think of that that fourth and sixth play. Everyone knows the ball is either going to A, George Kittle, or B, Debo Samuel. And, you know, it's le- more likely that it's going to Debo in that situation. And so everyone knows it's going to Debo there's like five guys around him and Jimmy threads it through and Debo just sheds the tackles, just shrugs them off, you know, and runs in for the touchdown. And it just seemed like no one on the Rams wanted to put in any effort to tackle Debo. They're like, no, I'm not touching this guy. And so that's what Debo brings to the passing game and now to the running game. And outside the, the outside zone run game is the 49ers identity. And it, it was so great to see them be able to find success in it again. And have that rushing attack that just wears down on defenses so quickly. And what was great about having those three different backs is that you had so many different running schemes in one. You know, all three of those backs bring different things to the table. You know, you have Elijah Mitchell, the speedy back that they're kind of trying to replicate Mostert's impact with, even though, you know, you're not not quite there yet. But, um, I mean, he's just been incredible this season. And then you have Jeff Wilson, the more hard-hitting type back. And then obviously you have Debo, and uh, that's just a whole different a whole different monster. So this run game is critical in allowing the team to, fo- to um, function the way it's supposed to. 
And we saw the intermediate passing game executed very well, too. The interesting stat that I'm sure you guys have all heard so far is that, you know, weeks one through seven, Garoppolo has been going play action 35% of the time, which was the fourth most in the NFL. But the last three weeks, he's only been going play action 9.6% of the time, which is the lowest in the NFL. So maybe they're finding something that's that's working for Jimmy and... I mean, you know, you take the Cardinals game aside. I mean, he didn't play terribly in that game, but um, you look at the results that that uh, decrease in play action has had in the Bears game and now against the Rams. I mean, it's something that you probably want to stick with um, going in, going into this uh, back half of the season. But the play calling overall was so much better from Shanahan. He was getting creative with sweeps and stretch runs, something that we've been wanting to see so bad. And it he finally pulled it out and... He had that fourth and sixth decision, which was bold but necessary. And, uh, I mean, just a much, much better performance from Kyle Shanahan than what we've been seeing and getting frustrated with. And really quick, we got to touch on that defense. You can't walk away from this game without talking about the performance of Jimmy Ward. I mean, we saw a different Jimmy Ward, that playmaker that's been hiding. You, you, you don't know where he's been, but he finally came back out. And he played so, um, so intelligently. And, you know, he knew where the ball was going. That first um, interception against OBJ was clear that Odell and Stafford weren't on the same page, but Jimmy was on the right page. And that's why he was in the right place at the right time to make that pick. And the same thing happened with that Cooper Cup pick six. He understood that the screen was coming in man coverage against Cup and he put himself in position to be able to capitalize. And even if Cup hadn't bobbled that ball and it didn't land right in the hands of Jimmy Ward, he was still in a great position to make a tackle for a short gain. So really just um, an overall incredible game for Ward. It's great to see him back in playmaking fashion. And you hope that this Jimmy Ward is here to stay for the rest of the season. And we have Tart, who could be coming back this week from injured reserve. His practice window has been opened. But the question in all of our minds is whether or not you want to sit Hufanga. I mean, Hufanga has been a playmaker week in and week out. And yeah, he needs a lot more experience. He's not um, as intelligent in reading NFL offenses as Tart is, but he brings that aspect that hypes the defense up, makes them want to give it their all on every down. And, you know, Shanahan feels the same. Um, I, I like Huff a lot. I think he's played well. Um, no, I mean, Tart doesn't automatically get the starting position. Um, we're not sitting here trying to replace Tart either. I think Tart's played at high level for us for a number of years, can do a bunch of things. Um, but even before he got hurt, we were trying to get Huff in there too um, because of what Huff's brought to the table. I just like how he doesn't hesitate in anything. Um, I mean, he looks like... I was just saying today in the team meeting that when he makes a play like he did on that third and four when they tried to run that pick route and he met him, it, it looks like he's not just thinking about that on, on game day. It looks like he decides on Wednesday how he's going to play. You can see it in everything he does, and there's just no hesitation in his game, and that's what I want to see 11 guys out there not hesitating and flying around. So whatever happens there, um, it's great to just see Hugh Fonga showing all that promise, but... Overall, from the defense, just playing mentally sound football and staying locked in, not getting fooled by anything. I mean, think of the blown-up fake field goal that the Rams went for. I mean, DJ Jones is a defensive tackle 
taking someone down in the open field. I mean, that is so great. Um, he's just on top of it mentally, and that sums up their performance that day. Um, you look at the linebacker situation. That That's another interesting uh, situation to see what's going to happen in these next couple of weeks as well, because Dre Greenlaw could possibly return this week, but you have Al Shire, who had his best game this season. He played with intensity and focus after having just a really, really bad game against the Cardinals. And, you know, it's not going to be a situation where Greenlaw's back, Al Shire's out. Um, Shanahan said Greenlaw's going to have to earn his position back after Al Shire had a great game like this. But one super encouraging um encouraging thing that we saw was Fred Warner just having a game like he did. He looked like the old Fred. He was anticipating things. He was quick to the ball. And, you know, he's really great at um, laying bait for quarterbacks. And so he was able to bounce back because he's been getting a lot of heat these past couple weeks. People have been pointing out, hey, um, you have this all-pro linebacker who hasn't been playing all-pro. He got this huge contract but he's really been struggling this season so far to have the same command as he's had in seasons past. And you even had management pointing it out. John Lynch on KMBR last week, you know, calling calling Fred out, saying he has to be better. He got this huge contract, this huge deal from us. He can't let that affect him in any way. And, you know, we heard Fred just yesterday kind of call himself out on that. So let's take a quick listen. You know, I think just the, the short answer is I, I can be better, you know, and I always look back to are you getting better or getting worse? And last year, you know, I was playing at, at a high level, obviously all pro, pro bowl. Am I doing that right this second? I wouldn't say so. Uh, I'd say we have eight games left that I can prove that. Um, it, it's, it's one of the most frustrating things in the world because you think that you're putting in uh, you're putting in more work. You're you're being more detailed in what you do, and for some reason the results just don't show up for you. Uh, it's funny because like you don't think about before before you get a contract. You're not really, th- I, or at least I wasn't. I wasn't. Wor- I've never worried about the money or you know trying to. Obviously, that's the goal is to try and take care of your family and get that that part of your that part of your career. Uh, you know that achievement. But you know I, that was not any any part of my even thought process and anything so going in this year it was kind of a little little piece of it in the back of my mind like okay well I got to show up I got to show out I got to do more I got to do this do that and so probably hindered me a little bit but I'm past it I'm, I'm looking to just get better as a player that's it I mean, regardless, it was just um, so great to see a 49ers team that looks like they're starting to finally believe in themselves again. Um, You have a a game like this that just boosts spirits and gives the team something to fight for. They're fighting for that wild card spot. They gave the fan base and themselves an expectation. We've seen them play a couple of really, really good, well-executed football games this season, and we've also seen them play some extremely poor um, extreme. We, we've seen extremely poor football from them in other cases. So everyone has an expectation. And the, the real question is, is this sustainable? And that's what we're going to find out as the 49ers take a trip across the country on a short week to play an early day game in Jacksonville, Florida. Let's take a quick look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
two and seven. You know, you just played the seven and two Rams, now seven and three, and now you're going up against the two and seven Jaguars. They are coming fresh off loss to the Indianapolis Colts, where they got down 17 to nothing early, tried to battle it back. It didn't happen. But, you know, this isn't a team that you want to underestimate. I mean, Sure, they've had some struggles. You've got a rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. He's having a hard time developing with just a lack of weapons at his disposal. And, you know, you have your rookie growing pains. You have accuracy issues, a hard time adjusting to the speed of the NFL. But it's really the lack of weapons that's been so hard for Trevor Lawrence to thrive in his rookie year. And the Jaguars are starving for help at the wide receiver position. And, They're lacking overall on offense speed. They don't have one of those burner guys in any way, shape, or form. And it's hard for these guys on the Jacksonville offense to gain separation. And that makes it so tough for Trevor Lawrence to be able to make accurate throws when you don't have guys who can gain separation. They've been relying too much on Dan Arnold. Uh, Dan Arnold got to Jacksonville not too long ago, and he's been their number one target since his arrival. They've really been trying to throw the offense on his back, and he's their leading offensive weapon, but that's something you're going to have to identify and take away early because you don't want Dan Arnold finding success and opening up things for the Jacksonville passing attack. And you do have some good guys on this roster. I mean, you have LaVisca Chenault Jr., but He's been struggling all season long. He's had a lot of drops, hasn't scored a touchdown since week five. So just these guys underperforming, and it's been so hard for them to find success offensively. But Urban Meyer said, look, going into this week, I want to get the ball more to LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones. Those are my guys that we need to get incorporated more, take some of the weight off of Dan Arnold and what he brings. So that's what they're going to be looking to do. And their offensive line has done a pretty decent job preventing sacks. I mean, they've given up 16 this year, which is the ninth best in the NFL. So you can expect that offensive line to have a great day. And Urban Meyer coached Nick Bosa. So he understands full well the threat that's coming their way. And you know that he's got this offensive line ready for Bosa. He's not underestimating him in any way, shape, or form. But this run game for Jacksonville has had a hard time taking off, too. James Robinson has been injured. He didn't play Week 9. He had a limited workload Week 10. He's listed as questionable for Sunday, but he'll likely be active with an increased workload. So the 49ers have got to be looking to shut down James Robinson early because with a team that's been struggling so much through the air, they're going to be looking to find success in that run game. And you just can't allow that to happen, but... Another possibility for Jacksonville, they could be getting center Brandon Linder and tight end O'Shaughnessy back this week. It's unlikely because they, their practice windows were just opened, but who knows? They, they might be trying to bring him back in right away. So that's something that could help their offensive line, their run game. And O'Shaughnessy is huge as a blocker in the run game. So you would think they're going to be prioritizing that rushing attack for sure. And on the other side of the ball, their defense, they're going to come into it respecting the run for the 49ers, which is something that is great because you were able to have such a successful game on Monday. So any team that you play next week, they're going to see the 49ers beat the Rams with their rushing attack, 
we're going to respect that rushing attack and try to put a stop to it early. And the injury to Elijah Mitchell, a broken finger, hopefully he's able to play on Sunday, but that's going to play a role in some form. So the rushing attack might look a little different. But Urban Meyer came out and flat out said that, hey, I've been studying how the 49ers use Debo and Kittle. 19 is one of the best players in the NFL, and I, I've respected him. I've watched him, uh, and then I, you know, I actually made a cut up today of what they how, how they used him. And him and 85 are, you know, they're they're the reason that's who they are. They're as good of players as they're at their position in the National Football League. Make no mistake about it, they do an excellent job of moving people around and motions and and running the ball. But they also, you know, the ball uh, Garoppolo does not hold the ball very long. He gets it out quickly, and uh, but number 19s is. Got a lot of respect for him as a player. And let's see this this matchup for Debo. I mean, you expected in the Rams game, you expected to see Jalen Ramsey on Debo. You didn't see that much, which could be a mistake on their part. But in this game, you're going to see Shaquille Griffin on Debo. I mean, Griffin's their best cornerback. He's held his matchups to three receptions the past couple of weeks, and he hasn't given up any explosive plays, but you know that Debo is a yak guy. He's going to do those yards after the catch that kill you, so tackling him is the most important thing if you're Jacksonville. you got to be prepared for a physical game, and you can't shy away from taking down Debo and Kittle because those guys are so hard to bring down. But the 49ers held the Rams to a season-low 10 points, and the Jaguars haven't scored more than 21 points in a game all season. So this likely isn't going to be a high-scoring shootout-type game. As long as the 49ers can get a run game going similar to last week, this game can be theirs for the taking. I mean, Jacksonville's two victories have been by the skin of their teeth. Three points. So this secondary has got to stay mentally locked in. They can't revert to the mental errors and the penalties that we've seen in other games or else it could go south pretty quick. All right. Well, that's all I've got for you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you on the next edition of the Run and Hit 49ers podcast. See you guys.